Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the marathon man of today's basketball game from the Bucks Radio Network, from Bucks Courtside Live, the ESPN post-game show, and now Locked on Bucks. It's Justin Garcia, who, by the way, I, I did text pretty late in this game. Uh, Frank decided, uh, well, he might have had something else on. I, I don't want to... Uh, you know, I don't want to make up any stories about uh, the great Frank Madden, but I will say this. I did see, I read through the AMA that Frank did on Reddit, which you know, is always very interesting. I, like everyone else, loves reading and hearing Frank's opinions on the Milwaukee Bucks. And there was one question in there, Justin, where someone said, can you podcast a little bit more? Um, which, you know, I mean, I would never begrudge anyone for wanting to hear more of Frank and perhaps less of me. Like, that seems like a perfectly fine uh, opinion to have. But I just want to assure everyone out there, I message Frank daily. Like, there, I, it would be hard for me to uh, annoy him a little bit more. Uh, but, but Frank's a bit of a fair-weather podcaster, and he, he will admit that. And that's a, bit of a, that's, that's a bit of slander on Frank, and I understand that. But if the Bucks lose in disappointing fashion, very rarely is Frank going to want a podcast. It's almost like he's got a family and a full-time job that also takes up some of his time. So I just wanted to clear some of that up. But thank goodness, Justin, you are here. Because you said to me when I was working at the tennis that uh, you, know, you were stranded a little bit. You had to do a couple of uh, post-game pods, solo pods after disappointing Bucks games. I would say that losing by 31 points to the Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back and also a very short-handed Denver team probably counts as a disappointing loss. <laughs> well, I also kind of take that uh, the fans asking Frank if he can podcast more. That's more a slight on me. Of you know, you know, when you skip it more often than not, we have to deal with this guy. So Frank's just you know he's reached that point in his career where he's able to do some load management here. We see it with LeBron and we see it with Frank on the podcast, but. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the weird games where, uh, on the one hand, you're still kind of thinking, okay, it is a regular season. And look, I'm, I'm sure part of it was, I don't want to say a trap game, because this is still a good team in the Denver Nuggets, but it was an emotional game on Sunday, where that was a big test for the Bucks, and they checked off a lot of boxes with that win. And oh, by the way, Drew Holiday returned and played for you, where that was a huge lift for the team that there was going to be a come down. Now you didn't expect that to mean a 31 point loss to the Nuggets, but I think more than anything, it just speaks to how terrific Nikola Jokic is that he just quietly dominated this game. And it, it wasn't too quiet towards the end, but I mean, he's just on another level where he's, I think without question, the best player that I've seen this season and the way he was able to dominate the game and just, looks so smooth doing it. That was it. And I go back to that opening quarter where Jamal Murray was starting to heat up. And I was of the mindset of, you know, this is what I want. I want Jamal Murray to be the guy that heats up and starts taking the shots because it's when Nikola Jokic gets going that before you know it, 
He's quietly up to 30. And the way he plays, he gets all of his teammates involved, too, that I was really hoping Jamal Murray would just be on a heater and taking shots because as we saw that first quarter come to an end, we started to see Nikola Jokic get more and more involved in the game and really taking over. And it, it felt like the Bucks trailed by 15 for basically the duration of this game. Yeah, the regular season is such a, a funny beast. And we see this time and time again, not just with the Bucks, but right across the league where situations like this, sometimes, again, as you pointed to coming off the win against the Clippers, you can sort of sleepwalk your way into this game. And I absolutely don't want to take any credit away from the Nuggets who, as we mentioned, were, were on a back-to-back. They did the same thing last year against Milwaukee when they were also shorthanded and beat the Bucks at 5 7 for them. So, you know, again, similar to you, I don't want to take anything away from Denver, but clearly the Bucks came into this one outside of Giannis. Everyone else did look like they were kind of half asleep to start this game. And Giannis got a bunch of dunks early and you thought, okay, here we go. This is going to be more of the same. Outside of that, the Bucks could not hit a shot. They finished 11 for 40 from three. And Giannis himself was 10 for 15 and actually 10 for 12 on two, seven for 10 from the free throw line, 27 points. So he was incredibly efficient. But the Nuggets set up the zone early in this game. And outside of those Giannis dunks, the Bucs just weren't able to hit a shot from the outside. And I don't necessarily, and I didn't necessarily read much into this in regards to the Bucs struggling with the zone as much as I thought that they were getting really, really good looks and they just simply couldn't knock them down. As far as the NBA goes these days, if you can't hit a number of those open shots, particularly for a Bucks team where you know that they're going to send multiple bodies into the paint and Denver certainly did that, after Giannis was able to get those dunks, then you're going to struggle to generate offense. And yes, I understand. You can try and get Giannis in different situations. You can try and draw the defenders out. But while the Bucks weren't making shots, the Nuggets are just going to say, fine, all right, keep, keep shooting it then. And to go 11 for 40 from three, who really outside of Chris Middleton, who was three for six, and also uh, Bryn Forbes was three for seven from three, everyone else really struggled. Uh, from the outside. And that that was ultimately, particularly in the first half when it was still a game, the downfall of this team. Well, and I mean, I think the other thing I'd throw your way too is, so the Bucks are now 0-6 in games when Bobby Portis doesn't even attempt a three. That hmm. we've seen it, it, it's kind of gone both ways where uh, the Bucks' three-point reliance has started to drop a little bit where uh, if we look at the last month, it just seems like there's been a lot of 11 and 12 and 13 made three-point games. I haven't looked at the average of what they're at for a team in that stretch, but I would guess it was around 13 or 14. And they've done the same defensively. But I think, you know, Coach kind of talked about this after the game too, where he he was very brief in his postgame, one of the more brief postgame pressures we've had from him this season. And, you know, I think if you're him too, it's more of a, what do you want me to say? We, We just missed shots and we did have open looks. And did we have some issues with the zone? Sure, but I, I don't think it was quite as bad, and, and you kind of said this too, as I know some of the questions made it out to be that, yeah, we didn't play great against the zone, but it wasn't like it's just totally stifled us. We missed shots. So in that case, what do you want me to say if I'm Coach Budenholzer that we just didn't hit the open shots that we had? And then, you know, the other problem compounding it was you did a good job defensively again, and that's the other trend that we've seen where – the Bucs aren't hitting as many threes, but they're doing a really good job or better job. And, and I don't know how much of it is luck, but still doing a better job defending against the threes in the last month or so. Uh, but they were just crushed in the paint. And it shouldn't be unexpected because 
Denver is one of the best teams in the league in scoring in the paint. And a lot of that has to do with the play of Nikola Jokic. But when you're not going to hit shots and when you're going to struggle offensively, it makes the defense and your stops all the more important. And I want to say Denver shot something like 66% on their twos throughout the game. So that was obviously a huge problem. Yeah, I definitely do want to get to the defense. And in particular, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis. I spoke about Brooke for a fair amount of yesterday's podcast, but we should touch on that again. It's certainly a topical right now. Let's just say that on Bucks Twitter. Just to wrap up some of those three-point numbers that you were speaking of. So on the season, uh, Milwaukee are fourth at 39% from three, and they're hitting around 15 per game. Over the last 10 games, it's dropped from 39% down to 35 and 15 makes down to 12. So that's a significant drop-off. I think the point you made about the way they've been defending the three is certainly true. I know Jokic had some open threes in the second half tonight, but my goodness, I mean, it got to the point where it's like, what do you do with this guy? And we'll talk about that a little bit more after we talk about CBD MD because it's March now, and March is National Sleep Month. And as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends at CBD MD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine. And there's nothing more calming than a nice hot bath. So then maybe you want to get the CBD bath salts, fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. And I know it's about uh, 12.30 local time there and you're still at the arena. So I, maybe you want to hit up CBD MD, Justin. I'm not sure about that. But if you do, we can make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge. They are offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBD MD. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the Locked On Today show. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Justin, you mentioned the fact that the Bucks were torched in the paint tonight, and you're certainly right. 56 points for Denver. Uh, even though they were 28 for 45, I mean, it's not, it's not an astonishing percentage in the paint there, but certainly the, the overall number is. And that makes sense when they only hit 11 threes, but still managed uh, to score 128 points, d- despite only attempting 12 free throws as well. I mean, this offensive performance and this offensive powerful display really from the Nuggets was all within the arc. I thought it was interesting to hear Pat Connaughton postgame I can't remember who asked the question, but they sort of said, it might have been Eric, uh, sort of said, uh, what is it about Nikola Jokic that makes him so difficult to defend? And Pat just went on an absolute run of the different reasons why it's difficult to defend Jokic. And he said, well, first of all, he can post up. Secondly, he can pick and pop. Secondly, he can be a screen and roll guy. Then he can be a, a short roll guy. And then he can, he can play off ball and cut to the basket himself. And I just thought that that was so true because I know that there was a lot of frustration around, particularly Brook Lopez. But this was a team-wide issue that the Bucks had with defending Jokic because he is so unique. I don't really know how you plan for this guy and plan to defend him because if you do show him bodies, 
He's one of the best passers in the league, period, not just for big men. If you give him any space on the perimeter, he will hit ridiculous mid-range, fade away one step, off-leg, jump shots from the baseline. He'll hit shots from the three-point area. I was just watching this game in awe tonight, and I was personally struggling to get really angry about one individual player or, or the things the Bucks were doing defensively because I did think that we saw a bunch of different things, but it just honestly didn't matter. And I, I mentioned that at the start, I thought that the effort was down a little bit. That's not going to help your cause. And we saw a steady stream of backdoor cuts and guys working off the ball and finding space and Jokic would hit them up uh, with the dish. And it wasn't just Jokic. It was a number of Nuggets players that were able to do that. So I just thought overall the Bucks were a little bit confused a little bit unsure of what to do with the Okich. They won't be the first and they won't be the last team to have those struggles. But yeah, I mean, for me, just not a great matchup. If you are if you are of the opinion that, that Brook Lopez is washed and should be traded, then that's totally fine. I just wasn't able to come to that conclusion from watching this game and him defending Nikola Jokic because even when you look at the box score right up and down, you look at the plus minus, every single variation of the lineup the Bucks tried tonight sucked. There's really no other way to put it. They weren't able to do anything to stop this team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just one of the games where you're just thankful that there's only one Nikola Jokic in the league. You know, well, this is the only team that we really have to face this. Because as you pointed to, I mean, what do you do against him? Where, as, as Pat mentioned, all the things that he can do. And you think about some of the, some of the, the plays that the Nuggets ran in this game too, where they had more looks for Jokic that they just didn't get the ball to him, that you could start to see it unfold and start to realize, oh, he's going to have an open three where he's just going to pop here. And it was just, I'm, I'm with you where I was in, in awe watching him. And, you know, I think we've all seen the numbers and we've all heard, yeah, Nikola Jokic is in the MVP debate. But the more you've watched him this year, he has been the best player I've seen this season. and just the way he did it tonight, it was so effortless. And it was like every shot he took, you imagine, was going in and he just made it look so easy. His ability to finish a tough shots too and create the open looks for his teammates, that that's what just makes him so tough is you can't point to one type of player where we talk about Brooke Lopez and some of the struggles maybe where you say, well, maybe you should try this. It, it, it's not as simple as that because name me the ideal defensive matchup for Nikola Jokic and who's the guy that you're going to throw out there that there's different things that he can do that just makes it so tough to defend him. And, you know, the other part that I think probably speaks to what Jokic was able to do in terms of the looks that he created for his teammates is we talked about what they did in the paint where, you know, they probably shot around the league average on their attempts, but they took 29 shots at the rim and they made 22 of them, but they were fouled twice. So in other words, of those 29 looks, they were wide open pretty much that that is a big product of Nikola Jokic creating those open looks right at the basket for his teammates. And, you know, by the way, Nikola Jokic had three dunks in tonight's game that he might've had three throughout his career coming into tonight. So this was just one of those games where as much as some fans may not want to hear it, it's disappointing. Sure. And it did seem like this team was flat from the start and that's what's most disappointing, but it's one of the games where you almost just throw your hands in the air and say, well, what can we do when Nikola Jokic is playing like that? It's the same as many teams have said against Giannis in regular season games. So I do think overall the Brook Lopez conversation is a fine one to have. And I'm certainly not someone who is at the point where I think he desperately needs to be traded. And certainly, you know, if I tweet about Brook Lopez or just really just scroll the timeline on any given Bucks game right now, 
that is certainly a sentiment that a lot of fans tend to have, which is fine. I mean, if that's where you're at, I think that that's completely fine. But I've kind of said variations of this in the past. But I think that there is a number of factors that, for me, makes me question whether he is legitimately washed. Now, one thing that I think is worth noting, I mean, Brooke Lopez is getting older. I don't think that it would be right of me to completely ignore the fact that there is a chance that he is in decline and he's going to decline very quickly. I mean, I think that's that's a perfectly realistic thing that could happen. I think the other thing that is okay to acknowledge is the fact that the contract, I think even when he signed it, I think that a lot of people probably thought, I don't know whether he's going to be in Milwaukee for the extent of that because this is an extremely long deal and it's going to take this humongous human into his mid-30s. And that, you know, realistically, is he going to be able to play at that level for a long time? I'm not so sure. I just think that when I look at the Eastern Conference standings and I think, okay, who are the teams the Bucs have to beat? Who are the teams that they're going to need a, a big center against? And the two teams that I think that they're going to use Brook Lopez for significant portions of the series against is one, Philadelphia against Joel Embiid, and two, maybe to a lesser extent, and I certainly think that they'll go small for extended stretches, but the Brooklyn Nets, if they play DeAndre Jordan, you feel totally fine having Brook Lopez out there. And those are the two main contenders. I think that we've seen Bud show a willingness to go small, which I'm fine with. But I think we also learned tonight that you know, Bobby Portis has been fantastic. He's been unbelievable. I love him. I think he's great value for the contract. Incredible value, actually. But I don't think that you want to be relying on him defensively against the best teams in the postseason. So the thing that I keep coming back to with any Brook Lopez trade is, well, okay, well, you're going to need a center. So are you trading a Brook Lopez for a center that is actually going to be better than what he is bringing? I just don't think so. I don't think that that's going to be possible. I would lean more into the fact if the Bucs are going to pick up a nuller player in the buyout market and add a nuller player to the rotation, it would be a big. It would be a guy that maybe you can go small with in those postseason lineups and you just accept the fact that, yeah, Brook Lopez has paid a lot of money, but he's not terrible like a lot of people are trying to say right now. He's not awful. He's not a negative player. But you're just going to have to be careful in what lineups you use him in. And I think maybe there is another guy that you can add to the roster. Or a lot of Bucs fans will want to say, Diakite is the guy, and, and who knows? I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe that he can come in and be an impact player on a contending team this season. I'm very intrigued to see what he's got, though. That's for damn sure. So I don't know, but that is probably the approach I would be going there. And really, that would be my biggest pushback. If you think that trading Brook Lopez is a thing you desperately need to do, what are you going to do at the five position? Because I think if you lose him, I, I think you're underestimating how serious the problems might be for this team. Even though we all agree that going small and playing Giannis at the five is going to be a, an important piece of what the Bucks do in the playoffs. Well, um, I guess let's just start with Mamadi Diakite. That I, I too am very intrigued by what he's doing. And in his, what, I think 11 games he's played in the G League, he's, he's averaging 20, 10, two assists and two blocks, and he's shooting better than 50% on the threes. And it's not like he's just taking one a game. Yeah. So that is encouraging. Now... I forget who it was, but I heard somebody else around the league make the point of, you know, just because you dominate in the G League, it doesn't mean you're set up for success in the league. But guys that transition from the G League to the NBA, you really can't point to any that didn't dominate in the G League, that you do at least have to do that as a baseline. Mm -hmm. So it's intriguing. And it's going to lead to the Christian Wood discussion. And 
the things with Christian Wood was, as we've talked about on this show before, it was a roster crunch and it was Christian Wood being blocked by other guys. But also we knew how much this, this coaching staff really valued defense more than anything. So that didn't help Christian Wood either. Mamadi Diakite does that. Now, all of that being said, you're a team that has championship aspirations. It's not like you're going to move Brooke Lopez and say, this guy that we've had on a two-way deal, he flashed a lot in the G League bubble. That's who we're bringing in to replace Brooke Lopez as our center. And I don't think you're even going to see him get in the rotation. That Maybe we'll see him play some in the second half of the season, but that's it. It's more for the future for Mamadi Diakite that you're looking forward to that. But I am intrigued by what he's doing there. The thing with Brooke is – you know, it's it's not even like it's a huge contract and a bad deal. I mean, it, it's it's one of all things considered in terms of value. It's one of the better deals in the league, and I think even next year, it's it's going to be a really valuable contract once that becomes an expiring deal for a decent amount of money around what fourteen million. That that can net you something in return at the very least. But you touched on the biggest thing: you're not going to trade Brook Lopez and just not bring in a center that. Okay, so tell me who the guy is you're going to bring in. And I think the subplot to it all also is, well, if you're saying trade Brooke Lopez because, you know, he's washed or he's lost a step and he doesn't look like the same guy and he plays a style that the league doesn't value anymore, well, then what's the value that he has around the league if that's the case? I think what we've seen and how we've seen him use this year is probably the ideal usage. And, you know, go back to the Clippers game where we saw Bud willing to go small I, I think that's how you need to use him going forward, that it might not be like we saw the first two years where he's one of your closers, but you still need him on the roster for those minutes through stretches and games, and especially against opponents like Philadelphia. If you do have to match up with them in the playoffs, you're going to need a guy like Rick Lopez to at least throw out there for some minutes on Joel Embiid, but you just need other options where depending on who you're playing – it doesn't mean you have to close the game with Brooke. You can close the game with Giannis and bring in Pat Connaughton or somebody else like we saw on Sunday, but you still need a center. And, you know, at this point with what's out there, I mean, Brooke Lopez is, is probably your best bet here. So I think it's probably going to be something where we may see the minutes continue to drop a little bit. It felt like for most of the first half of the season, it's almost been, a timeshare and at times it's been like an offense defense substitution between he and Bobby Portis where they're playing very similar minutes. And we may continue to see that where maybe it even hits the Keith Bogans mark where, where Brooke Lopez is starting games and playing a lot there, but then depending on the, the opponent and how things are going, you're closing the game smaller and you're bringing in other guys. But I don't think it's as easy as saying, well, Brooke Lopez has lost a step or two and he's washed and just, trade him and especially because he's not really a mobile center anymore and it's the league is moving away from this <laughs> because if it's moving away from that then why does another team want to bring in that salary and that same type of player so he does still have some usage for this team and some value to this team it's just I think the biggest task for coach Budenholzer or one of them in the second half is really maximizing the usage and value of Brooke Lopez yeah, I want to continue this conversation a little bit uh, here after a, an ad read that I've got, but only 24 minutes tonight. So uh, to you know, continue your point there, it's not like he has been playing big minutes and he never really has uh, with the Bucks over the last few regular seasons as well. And mostly, for the most part, has been splitting minutes. Although, as we mentioned, it was a bit of a struggle tonight for Bobby and he only played 
uh, 16 minutes as well. But I've got some exciting news because Built Bar is hosting, well, it is March, first of all, and Built Bar is hosting Built Bar Madness. Now, this is going to be pretty fun because there's going to be a bracket on the website, builtbar.com. They're going to be tweeting out daily matchups. So we haven't got the bracket yet, but as a uh, loyal Built Bar fan, I, I guess my question for you would be, what flavors would you have near the top? Oh, uh, well, man. I mean, the, the ones that I have routinely been enjoying here inside of Pfizer Forum have been uh, the mint brownie, the cherry barcia, uh, even the orange I've tried a little bit recently and the, the chocolate peanut butter. So those would be my four one seeds. Yeah, yeah, that seems pretty good to me. I would have cookies and cream up there as well. Uh, I'm kind of like, I like, I don't eat too many sweet things, but I would probably have the apple almond crisp up there as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, you'll probably see me tweeting about it because uh, anytime there's any type of bracket, I, I get sucked in. I know we have the, the Bucks Twitter bracket here. I, I think someone will probably be doing that at some point as well that people get uh, pretty excited about. But uh, if you are interested in trying Built Bar, then of course, you know, we've got a sweet deal for you guys and uh, you should know. The bars, but you should know this by now, but the bars are great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at builtbar.com. And then, of course, jump across to betonline.ag, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football's done. We know that, even though there's been plenty of NFL news in the last couple of days that certainly Packers fans were interested in. But college basketball is about to hit full swing with March Madness of its own. NHL is running. I I think you're a hockey fan, Justin. I know absolutely nothing about hockey, but you can get the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook connect. March Madness is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on this year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more, probably Josh Giddy, the Aussie. Where's he? He, he? Maybe he might be starting to crack the top 10. Who knows? But subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcasts. To continue this chat, one of the things that was kind of interesting that you brought up that I probably all season have kept my eye on this. I mean, we know the Bucks cap situation really does have them restricted in terms of guys they can move. And it's kind of funny to think about the names that get floated out there and, and people are like, well, I'll trade this guy. And it's like, well, why do you want him to trade? It's because you don't think he's very good. So when we're talking about the value of guys that you can move around the league, I legitimately think, you know, Brooke would have some value right now. Certainly Dante DiVincenzo would have value. I know he's an inconsistent player at times. And, you know, we saw him miss a dunk tonight, which by the way, anytime I see someone miss a dunk like that, I think to myself how much I would love to be able to miss a dunk like that. It it would just be great to be able to miss a dunk uh, that spectacularly. But, uh, you know, unfortunate night for Dante. He's had his ups and downs, but certainly, you know, recent times we've seen some of the consistency that we would like to see from him. So I think that he would be valued around the league, but I think he's also heavily valued within the Bucs. 
But with all the struggles Milwaukee have had, I've said that, you know, it's kind of a good thing that this has happened before the trade deadline. So again, I mean, I imagine that the Bucks are at least having the conversation around Brooke and at least weighing up all the options of how they can improve this roster. I've already outlined why I think a Brooke Lopez trade is probably unlikely, but I think that it's a conversation that is at least worth having. I think the interesting point as far as the Bucks go with Diakite, as you sort of brought up, I don't really see him cracking the rotation either, especially if he comes up and he's brought up to the main roster. I just don't see the minutes there for him, considering that it's Giannis, Bobby, and Brooke Lopez that he's going to have to replace. And outside of an injury, I, I just don't see that happening. And I think that's fine. I think that you do want to keep him around, though. And at some point, I would love to see what he's got at the NBA level, because I do think that there is a lot of PTSD when it comes to uh, the Christian Wood situation, as you already uh, outlined. I think more than anything, when the Brooke Lopez struggles come to me, I just think that overall we should look at the bigger picture in terms of the entire roster, in terms of what the Bucks are trying to do rather than just trying to pin it all on one guy. Now, the salary means that Brooke Lopez is an attractive trade piece, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he is the guy that you need to move. Again, tonight, I probably looked at the Bucks' struggles on the perimeter and I just think to myself... Well, yeah, I mean, clearly the, the the job is going to be more difficult for Brook Lopez if he's getting pulled out of the paint. But not only that, if he has DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes defending on the perimeter, and both of those guys had rough nights, we've praised them for their effort levels defensively, sure. But it's just a huge downgrade from Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. I mean, that's just the reality, and everyone's job is more difficult because of that. So I think that it's it's just, I think it's a bigger picture that you have to look at with why the Bucs have struggled. The interesting number overall is the fact that the Bucs are actually, as you pointed to, have nailed down or clamped down a little bit on the three-point shooting from the outside. And the number I looked up in the post-game was the points in the paint for the opposition this year. The Bucs were by far and away the number one team last year and the year before. Uh, this year, they're actually fourth. So it's not like it's terrible. And opposition teams are actually only scoring 42 points per game. Uh, they were at 38 last year. So it's not like the jump is significant either. And Brook Lopez's defensive rim uh, percentage on those those field goal attempts within six feet is also fine. I mean, it's certainly comparative with some of the better centers in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the question and the conversation is fine to have. I'm just not willing. And I, I just don't like the the narrative that, oh, he sucks and he's a negative player. I just think that that's, I think that's been... I think that's been lazy, and I think that that's not really assessing the, the, the bigger picture. But uh, overall, I don't think it's going to be a conversation that goes away. But sure, I mean, if this is the conversations that have been having had now before the trade deadline, that's a good thing. It's better now than after. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be here for the next, uh, what, three weeks until the trade deadline comes just because, as you pointed to, I mean, if, if the Bucks are going to do anything just because of the hard cap situation too – you're inclined to think if they made a move before the trade deadline, in all likelihood, it would include Brooke Lopez because, you know, it's not as easy as saying, well, the Rockets are shopping PJ Tucker and they want young guys. It's, you know, that's a, another conversation that I know fans had earlier where it was, well, what if we gave up this young player and is, is this guy valuable to him? And sure, maybe guys like Jordan Wara are valuable around the league. You'd have mm -hmm. to attach more, but ultimately that's the problem is the money that, all of the guys that the Bucks have that at this point you would say are expendable aren't really making enough money to really net you anything in return. And you can't do a multiplayer trade 
because of the hard cap situation and because you're already stretched thin in terms of your roster flexibility and the limits that you have to be at. So they're going to do something. The chances are it's going to involve Brooke Lopez. So, you know, for that reason, I would expect this to continue all the way through March 24th and leading up to the 25th with the deadline. But yeah, I'm with you where I've, I've heard the same chatter. And I mean, it is fair to say that Brooke Lopez does not look like the same guy that he was the last two years. But let's also remember you know, what he did defensively last year was among the best defensive seasons by a center we've seen in recent memory. It's right up there with guys like Rudy Gobert. He was that elite and he was doing the same thing his first year in a Bucks uniform. And that first year too, he was a much better offensive player where this year he's, he's gotten back to that where he's more consistent offensively and in his shooting stroke. Um, but he, he's, he's just, he's noticeably not quite as good, which is fair to say, but he was really good the last two years. That doesn't mean he's a really bad player or even below average player, but it is fair to point out, look, he, he doesn't appear to be the same guy, but that still doesn't mean it's a bad contract or he's a bad player and it's time to move on. It means yeah, if we have tough decisions to make and we want to do some moves here, he's probably the only guy we can look to. So more than anything else, that's why I would say if they if they make a trade, it's going to involve him. It's not so much because he's a poor player that they're looking to get rid of. It's This is really their only option. And I think that's kind of what you saw in the offseason with George Hill as well. I did get one, a Twitter user. I don't have the Twitter user here. Um, but also, and I'm not looking to put anyone on blast here, but a, a Twitter user did say, maybe we need to call you Kane Excuses Pittman uh, because of my Brook Lopez tweet, which I, I did, listen, let's be honest, I did find that very funny, but look, I'm not making any excuses. I just want to have an open conversation about it. I don't think some of the uh, narrative is all that fair. I don't think that we're all looking at the bigger picture. That's all I'm trying to do, but we've discussed it for long enough. I, I think just to wrap up, this game, which was largely forgettable, let's be honest. A couple of interesting things. Uh, Tory Craig, I-, I joked that perhaps the Bucks just think that it's going to be a Denver Bucks NBA Finals, and that's why they actually signed Tory Craig, because it was kind of funny that he came in just in this game, which just is just kind of ridiculous. I mean, I know it was his best game of the season against Denver last time, but why he would just be in the rotation tonight... Was kind of funny to me and also kind of ironic that in the one game where the Bucks desperately needed some energy, maybe Thanasis would have been cool to chuck out there and see if he could spark anything, particularly in that first half there. So I don't know. The confusion around Torrey Craig continues. I'm really not that worked up about it, to be honest, but I kind of just laughed when he checked in in the first quarter there. I'm not that worked up either because, you know, I think if you pay close enough attention uh, Coach Budenholzer and the Bucks will, will if for as much as we joke about I, I don't get the rotations and I don't get this, if you pay close enough attention to what he says before and after games, he will tell you where they're headed with things. And that's, that's you know, the last thing I would bring up is what I was going to ask you about. It, it was kind of funny, and I made the same reference to a few coworkers as well of, you know, I don't know what it is that it's just, well, he figures Torrey Craig knows this team, so I might as well play him against the Nuggets. But <laughs> That was the first thing we noticed with Torrey Craig coming off the bench, especially because I thought it was really interesting uh, before the Clippers game when he was asked on he being Bud on multiple occasions by Eric Aston and I believe Jim uh, Ozarski too about Torrey Craig specifically in the rotation. And some of the responses that, that Coach Budenholzer gave and how he approached it led you to believe there, there may not be a whole lot of trust there yet defensively. And, you know, which 
kind of set you up to think, okay, it's probably going to be second half of the season. Hopefully we start to see more and more. And at some point, Torrey Craig becomes one of those guys, whether it's the eighth or ninth guy, whatever it is in the rotation, the way that he answered those questions. And that's why I was just completely floored. As soon as you saw him check in as early as he did tonight, that at that point, I didn't know what to think anymore. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, when the Bucks are winning, you don't really think about it too much. Thanasis has been fun to watch. And then when the Bucks lose, you sort of ask the question. So, I, I don't know, something to monitor moving forward. I think overall, the one thing we've learnt is that Bud has uh, significantly shortened the rotation. Uh, either way, and Drew Holiday in his second game back, he still only played 18 minutes there as well. And again, that doesn't really help the whole defensive unit when he's not there in that starting lineup, which really is what we're focusing on uh, the starting lineup, but also the closing lineup in regards to what this team's going to be able to do defensively. Uh, on this night, they had absolutely no idea what to do with Nikola Jokic, but as we pointed to, uh, that's far from a uncommon happening when uh, teams play the Denver Nuggets. He's on a tear. The Nuggets are playing pretty good basketball at the moment, and the Bucks, well, they'll have one more game before the All-Star break. They'll meet up with uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, our old friend Taylor Jenkins there, which is going to be a lot of fun. And that'll be a diff- difficult game. It always is. The last game before the All-Star break, perhaps guys will be a little sharper than they were tonight because of that loss. But uh, it's always something to watch. And I never really feel confident either way when it comes to this last game before the break. So I'm excited to watch, but also just hoping uh, they can they can pick up a win here and enter the break with good momentum. Because remember, they've gone five wins, then five losses, then five wins. And now they've started another losing streak. So I really would like to uh, snap this streak here because if you project that ahead, if they go 5-5-5-5 the whole way through, they're losing in the first round. And I'd like to uh, knock that on the head at this point. Well, it's not a losing streak yet. Not until they uh, hopefully don't lose to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. But yeah, I mean, I have the same amount of intrigue going into that game just to see how that game is handled mentally by this team. I think more so this year than than ever before because there's a lot of guys that are, are working. I mean, the entire league is working on a compressed schedule, but a lot of guys that are working on an even more compressed schedule when you factor in when they last played in the bubble that now this is kind of the milestone that they have out there of, okay, once we get to March uh, 4th and we get this break of a week, this is what we're looking forward to that it's, you know, it's just like senioritis where, you know, it's almost, it's almost there. It's almost there. Let's just get to the end of this first half of the schedule that I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how, if at all it does, impacts the play on the floor in that game. All right, Justin. Get home. It's after 1 a.m. I appreciate you saving me tonight. It was good to at least bounce some of these ideas off each other here. And certainly to the listeners, please hit us up on Twitter if you uh, disagree strongly, if you agree with anything. Uh, that's what we love. That's what I said. We're not here to say that anyone's wrong. We just want to have the open discussion, which is the best part about doing that show. So let us know uh, what you think. And outside of that, we will be back tomorrow as we continue to build up to the game against the Grizzlies. Uh, the Bucks go down 128 to 97. They're now 21 and 14 on the season. Stay safe and we'll speak to you guys next time.